Just James Horror Review. I'm your host, Just James, and today we are talking about the 1986 film, This is episode 30. Listener, and welcome back. Episode 30. Holy shit, we've done a lot of these already. Today we're talking about the 1986 film H.P. Lovecraft's From Beyond. Excited about this episode. Of course, huge H.P. Lovecraft fan, so when they try to make these into movies, I can't fucking wait to watch them. I saw this movie a really long-ass time ago and had forgotten about it. It came up on Amazon Prime or somewhere. Well, probably not Prime because... Any movie I try to watch on there, it takes a big, fat, hot shit on me and tells me it can't be shown in my area. Why do I even pay for it? I don't know. Jeff Bezos, Bezos, giant cock rocket dude, whatever. What the fuck, bro? Fix Amazon. What is happening? I don't even know. Okay, anyway. I'm excited about this one because this movie was awesome. It had all that sweet 80s nostalgia, that flair, that B-movie. Just, um, I just loved everything about it. If you haven't seen it, Watch this if you want to watch something entertaining that, uh, you know, something you would rent from Blockbuster and just enjoy with popcorn and friends or, or a date or whatever. It's that kind of movie. It's just really entertaining. You know exactly what you're going to get from watching the trailer. It's just like, uh, you know, reanimator and stuff like that. So, yeah, if that's the kind of stuff you're into, you're going to love this film. It was directed by Stuart Gordon, who also did reanimator. He did the movie Dolls, Castle Freak, uh, Dagon. And King of the Ants, Have has anyone on the planet anywhere that's listening to this seen King of the Ants? I saw it by accident. I don't even remember where I saw it. I don't know if I rented it, if it was still like something that you could rent, or if it's something I randomly watched on a streaming service a really long time ago. But King of the Ants, he wrote the... Uh, King of the Ants is this fucking weird movie. It actually has a pretty... The cast, when you see it, I don't, I, I'm not going to name all of them, but it's got a pretty well-known cast, but it looks like it was recorded with a flip phone, and the main actor is not one of the well-known actors, if that makes sense, and I won't get into the whole premise of the movie, but there's a large chunk of the movie where this dude is in a shed, and one of the Baldwin brothers just comes in every afternoon and beats him upside the head with a golf club. And the idea is that he witnessed a murder or something weird, and they can't really kill him because they don't want to get, you know, plugged for this other murder. And so they're just going to hit him in the head until he loses all his ability to think coherently, and he's just, you know, a vegetable. And then they're just going to release him into the street and, I guess, make people just think he's just some crazy old kook that wanders the streets or something. I have no clue. But that was the premise of the movie. It was really weird. The ending was okay, but... What a weird fucking movie. If you've seen it, let me know. King of the Ants, or King of Ants, maybe. Anyway, Stuart Gordon, he also wrote the, screen, the screenplay for Body Snatchers, and the he wrote the story for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which I thought was a really weird twist with all these other movies that he's done, because everyone loves Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but he also wrote the story for The Dentist, and he was involved with writing 22 different episodes of ER. So, yeah, the, the dude's got game, right? All right, so next, the writer for this film. It's funny that on the uh, IMBD thing, it credits H.P. Lovecraft as one of the writers for this film. So it's based off his story called From Beyond. If you don't know, definitely check it out. It's on YouTube where people read it and stuff. Go check that out. A theatrical reading of that is way cooler than just reading it for yourself, I think. Um, but yeah, to credit him as one of the writers for this film is a little odd. But um, Brian 
Uh, Yuzna, I think, is how you pronounce that. He also uh, helped co-write this film. He also co-wrote wrote Bride of Reanimator. He did two of the Silent Night, Deadly Night movies. The other writer is uh, Dennis Pally, and he wrote Ghoulies, to, well, Ghoulies 2, and The Pit and the Pendulum. So, yeah, there's a lot of really good people involved on this film to be as hokey as it is. It just It's just really entertaining. And then, of course, the actors in here will just hit the highlights. We have Jeffrey Combs, Barbara Crampton, and Ken Forsey. So just look those guys up. They have huge horror credits as well as, and expect, especially with Jeffrey Combs. Everyone recognizes him from the reanimator stuff. But he's been in a ton of cartoon voice acting stuff. And he was also Brainiac in, well, the voice of Brainiac in Injustice 2, the video game. So just really neat career with him and the other other three that I named in there. So just check those out. Yeah, this is going to be a good movie. It's got all the right elements to, to work up the awesomeness that is this film. But anyway, with all that being said, let's get into it. So the cool thing about this movie and movies like this is that it gets started right away. We have Crawford, who's going to be our main character, the Jeffrey Combs character, turning on a bunch of really cool old sci-fi looking machines, real large computers, lots of blinky lights and, you know, buzzing sounds and all that. And he's flipping them on like the whole room is just full of these computers as he's getting ready to crank up whatever this experiment is. Then we see these tuning forks that start glowing in a very warm uh, almost liquid-looking glow, very 80s kind of technology uh, to, to illustrate this on the film. And this worm-looking weird thing, it almost kind of looks like that thing that's swimming out of Jason Goes to Hell on the cover art, little thing, little hell worm that's swimming through his eye, kind of looks like that. It is swimming around these tuning forks. So Crawford goes up to look at it. We still don't know what any of this is. And as he's looking at it, this weird translucent purple worm latches onto his face and becomes very real. And he has to pluck it off of his face and he decides to uh, shut it down. So we're getting sci-fi monster action and, and blood, you know, within the first 10, five minutes of this film. Pretty fucking cool, right? So anyway, he goes and gets another character who's going to be Edward Pretorius. What a name. Sounds like a Transformer. So he goes and gets Pretorius, I guess. This guy's going to be his mentor. And this dude, he's got all of his taco meat out. When he goes and beats on this guy's door, he's wearing like a silk, you know, night robe thing that's all open. If you don't know what that taco meat is, chest hair. If you don't know, now you know. It's the coolest word ever for it. So anyway, he's got all that stuff showing, and he's got this silk robe on with, you know, fucking tigers and shit on it or whatever. He just, he looks like a, um, a pervert. Yeah, he just kind of looks like a pervert. Anyway, he answers the door, and, you know, of course, the Crawford character is really excited. He's like, I've done it, I've done it, I've told you it would work or whatever, and the guy's like, no fucking way, I don't believe you. They go upstairs, and the Pretorius guy goes over to the machine, and he flips the switch on but then he flips on the other switches so when this tuning fork started glowing there was i think three other ones next to it so let's just say four total well the pretorius guy flicks on all the switches for all of them whereas crawford just did one because he's a scientist so he's trying to experiment a little bit at a time he's not going all in he's testing the waters of whatever this fucking machine is but super awesome cheesy b-movie type acting because pretorius flicks all those on and then it turns and it shows Crawford's face and he just kind of is like my god 
because he knows some shit's about to go down. He got he done got attacked by a weird purple interdimensional worm. He can only suspect what is going to happen with all these forks turned up to fucking 11, right? So Pretorius, he just looks at him like, you know, whatever nerd, flicks the switches, and he starts almost having this orgasmic type reaction to what is going on. You can just tell he's he's all in. It's affecting his body. It's affecting his pain. Everything is just happening. And Crawford's like, turn it off, turn it off. And he's like, no, don't you feel it? Something's coming. And I was worried there for a second. I was like, I hope it's not, you know, is it a monster? I hope it's a monster and not you and your weird pervert robe. But anyway, he's like, can't you feel it, Crawford? And then all this, you know, the whole place is shaking and you just know that something epic is taking place. However, we as the viewer can't see what it is that this Pretorius guy is experiencing at this time, because he's standing right next to these forks, so he's getting all the juice. Edward, on the other hand, is... I'm sorry, not Edward, but Crawford, on the other hand, is having these weird headaches. He keeps kind of grabbing his head and, you know, wincing in pain while this machine is, is buzzing and whirring and all that. And then we cut to an outside shot, and I love these types of scenes where you have something really dramatic, mysterious, you, you know, you are all in you're leaned into the tv like holy cow what is happening and then we cut out to what it would look like from the outside and it's just not dramatic it's just a house with these flashy lights coming out of the window and what do we have we have the nosy neighbor outside and she is watching and she is an absolute just character typecast character she's got on it's like an older woman and sitting in her window she's got a shower cap on you know just think your typical nosy neighbor type and she's calling the cops complaining about this stuff saying well last time you said you'd send an officer and you never did and then they end up hanging up on her so what does she do well what any nosy neighbor uh like this would do she gets her yappy little dog the one with that crusty shit in its eyes you know the type and decides that she's going to go over there and figure out what's going on. She's a concerned citizen. So she runs over there, just lets herself into the house and decides to go inside. And, you know, nothing anybody would want to go inside. You can hear all kinds of weird shits happening and banging around. And she ends up passing Crawford on the stairs. And I think he, I think he's got an axe in his hand or something. Anyway, he doesn't look good. You can tell something crazy is, is happening. He's running out of there scared and he blows past her. And she ends up going up the stairs. She opens the door, and there we have Pretorius's uh, headless body laying there on the floor, covered in his silk robe, of course. And then some other just kind of stuff happens. But either way, they run out, and the cops are already out there. They catch Crawford as he runs out, and they put him in handcuffs, and the old lady is, like, freaking out, and she's yelling everything. And then we cut to him being in a mental institution. And so here's where we meet Dr. Catherine McMichaels. So this is our Barbara Crampton character. And this character, I don't know if this is movie magic or whatever, but when they first show her, it is crazy. Maybe it's just the film and how it was back then, but like her eyes are insanely blue. So I don't know if maybe that's just a Barbara Crampton thing. I don't know. But anyway, I just thought it was, I just pointed out. So anyway, she's a psychologist and she's one of these people who wants to prove that Crawford isn't crazy. She's... She has this theory that people that have all these psychological issues, that there's they're not crazy. There's something else that they can fix to make them, you know, not have psychological issues. I don't know how to say it. Either way, for the point of the story, she is saying that Crawford is not crazy and she wants to figure out what is really going on. She don't believe that he's a murderer because he's just college-educated scientist, worked with one of the greatest scientific minds in the world, whatever. She doesn't believe that he's a killer. There is another character in here that's of note, just 
that believes truly that Crawford is just crazy. He's out of his mind. He's a murderer. And she is really against everything that Dr. Catherine is trying to do this whole time. She's, you know, just kind of a bitch to her every time she comes around. And I understand why, because of what is coming up, like what happened. So she goes into the psych ward is trying to tell the head nurse lady, like, well, he's not crazy. You're stupid. I know better than you. So they decide to do a CAT scan on this guy. And they do a CAT scan on Crawford, and they find out that his pineal gland is enlarged. Hmm. Now, what is the pineal gland, you ask? Well, Google it, because I don't fucking know. <laughs> I didn't bother looking it up for this episode. But she believes it's a result of whatever experiment. Because, he's, of course, he's told them, hey, we were doing experiment experiments. This machine, we saw these interdimensional weird things coming around. They started to attack us. And what he was saying was he had to destroy the machine with an axe and that he didn't cut the head off of Dr. Pretorius, how it was the monster or whatever came through, took his head. So that's kind of why he's being charged with the murder stuff. And that's the story he's telling them. And obviously they don't believe him because it's just so ridiculous sounding. But now they got to try to explain, well, why is his pineal gland so enlarged? Well, Dr. Catherine's going to figure it out. Now, it's been a while since I've read from beyond the actual Lovecraft story, but I believe in that story it does mention the pineal gland. It's probably where they got that, and that it kind of surmised that, you know, it could be activated and that you could see another world that lays over our world, and it's always there, and the only way you can see it is by activating that gland, and you can do that through these different machines to kind of see into this fourth, fifth, sixth dimensions where all these creatures and all these things exist around us all the time that we're unaware of and they can't be in they can't see into our world and we can't see into them until these things are activated so because of this one cat scan dr Catherine decides that she wants to recreate the experiment and somehow talks the local da's office into this being a a good idea. So the DA comes in, he's like, okay, well, we're going to release him to you and you go out and do these experiments and see what you can find out. If you can prove that he's not crazy, then we'll cut him loose. We won't charge him. And if you can't prove it, then I guess we're going to try him for murder, which in case you didn't know is not, I, I believe nothing that would ever actually happen. One, because the DAs don't believe you. You are a guilty trash bag who committed murder. And Another, they're just not going to release custody of someone who is suspected of beheading another person with an axe into the custody of one single psychiatrist and a police officer to do some kind of a crazy experiment in their house. Just wouldn't happen. But, you know, then we wouldn't have this super fucking awesome movie. So, but you know what's funny as I watch this movie and, and kind of think way too deep about it for no reason whatsoever is that maybe what if all this weird shit is real? I don't guess you can disprove that it's not real real is that a double negative you can't prove i can't prove to you it's not real i can't prove to you that it's not not real so you think about it there are all these frequencies around us all the time i guess they could be you know in another dimension or viewed through a different way that something would exist there right i mean sound exists in frequencies light exists in frequencies radio frequencies radiation waves all that invisible shit is just floating around us right now look around look to your left now look to your right. Now look up. Now look down. Now look all around. Guess what? Frequencies. Every fucking word. Did you see any? No. Me neither. But they're all there. That's why your radio works. That's why you're able to listen to this on your phone, from your cell phone, or your earpiece, or whatever it is. Yeah, so all these things are just jamming through us all the time anyway. So who's to say, I guess, that, you know, maybe this shit is real. Maybe with all the alien talk going on, who knows? I mean, really, when you think about it, like, 
how the fuck does a cell phone work? Like, I know you can Google how does a cell phone work, and it's going to say a bunch of stuff about radio waves, but, but I mean, how are all these dank-ass memes that I send out daily to all kinds of people, how does that work? It's just getting broken down into some type of weird little wave, and it sends out, and all of a sudden, thousands of people are seeing this dope-ass meme that I got, or, or, or whatever, you know, I'm sharing this radio broadcast, or is this even a radio broadcast still? What is this? Internet broadcast? What's it even be called? What wave is this thing flying on, man? I don't know. It's blowing my mind. Put me in a mental institution at Crawford because I can't figure it out either. This is just, it's just nuts when you really start thinking about how much you don't know about all these different things and how they exist and how they work. It's, uh, it's fucking weird. So anyway, after thinking way too hard about this as I watched the film, I looked up and the FM radio and radar were invented close to the year that this story was written. I'm going to say it's sometime 1930-ish is when Lovecraft wrote this story. So I'm sure there was a lot of unknown about it. I'm sure when FM radio first came out, a bunch of people were skeptical, maybe even thought it was alien technology, or they thought it was some kind of weird magic, or it was of the devil. Do you know FM actually stands for frequency modulation? That's pretty cool. It sounds a lot cooler than FM anyway. So I'm sure... When all this stuff was going on, when he wrote this story, he was heavily influenced by maybe possible hysteria that was going on at the time, or the unknown, the fear of the unknown of what this technology is, what it could unlock, the dangers of it, and all that. So putting into perspective the H.P. Lovecraft from Beyond story in this movie, I guess, since it was you know not set in the 30s, it, uh, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, so, meh, meh, duh, whatever. Okay, okay, okay. So, anyway... They're leaving the psych ward, it's Crawford and Catherine, and they come out and meet the officer who's also going to be escorting them around and be a part of their little team here, Buford Braun Lee, or, as he says, you can call me Bubba. And he's going to be the cop, and this dude is huge. I mean, huge. And like I said, you'll recognize him, he's been in a a couple other horror films and stuff. But they go right away from the psych ward to the house. Another weird thing about this, you just had someone that either murdered someone or watched someone get murdered. I would think as a psychologist, the last thing you'd want to do is reintroduce them to that trauma. But no, that's exactly where she says. And she's like pushing him like, oh yeah, you need to go in here and deal with this. It's like, this just fucking happened yesterday. In the film, it probably was longer, but it just, the way it plays out on on the screen, it seems like it was just like the day before. So they take their suspected murderer back to the crime scene so he can show them that he didn't do it. So here's what I didn't do. It almost reminds me of, uh, you remember back with the O.J. Simpson, you know, controversy, and he co-wrote a book called If I Did It. So I don't know. It's not totally out of the realm of, you know, believability, I guess. So uh, they go into the house, and as soon as they get there and inside the home, they lose Crawford. He's gone. They can't find him. It's one of those where, you know, they looked one way, and then he went the other, and the dude is gone. And important to know that we still don't know if Crawford is crazy or not. You know, maybe the machine made him crazy. We don't know. So as they're looking for Crawford, they find a room, and it is a full-blown BDSM, you know, sex, torture sex kind of room. There's chains and swings and beds and all this crazy shit hanging from the ceiling, and there's a porno playing in the background, and oh snap, it's Dr. Pretorius. I told you, the silk robe gave it away, taco meat out. I know one when I see one. So he's the one that's got this freaky freak room. And why is the porno playing? Why is the porno playing? They haven't been in this house. It's been condemned since whenever the murder happened. You're telling me that as they were collecting evidence, someone didn't think like, hey, we should turn this porno that's on loop off. So, yeah, 
I don't know. It's just kind of funny, but that's what makes these movies so fun. Cool scenes like this. So Crawford ends up running back into him. He said that he had to go turn the power on. He wasn't actually trying to avoid them. And he sees them watching the Pretorius sex tape. And there's a really important line in here about how he said, yeah, five senses were never enough for him. He always wanted more. He always wanted to feel more. So now we figure, like, that's part of his whole persona. You know, that's why he sex wasn't enough. He had to have, like, chained up, weird, you know, sex that he was having and all this kind of stuff. And pain wasn't, there was no emotion, sense, or anything that was enough for him. He wanted it times a thousand. Like, where, which is, reminds you a lot of Hellraiser. And I wonder if all this movie was influenced at all by the Hellraiser movies. All right, so we're back in this house, and immediately they waste no time. They go back to the machine, and they turn it on. I mean, just like that. We're back in here. We turn the machine on. Crawford doesn't want to, but the doctor has told him it's pretty much the only way to guarantee that he doesn't fry for this murder. So he's like, okay, whatever. So he goes back. He's like, well, just turn it on so I can show you what's up. Turns it on. And what happens? Our boy Bubba gets bit by a creature, and Dr. Pretorius comes back back what and not his headless you know uh half naked body no 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 no. but a naked pretoria standing there in a full in full like in the flesh and talking about how he didn't die he just passed on into the beyond now just a note here awesome set design right all these different everything is practical effects right there's not a whole lot of cgi there has to with the interdimensional stuff and it looks like the 80s and that's fine but Everything else is these really huge, awesomely built sets that look really cool. And man, just so such good 80s horror feels in this in this movie. So here also, they don't waste any time with like, you know, Pretorius doesn't come back and whisper some stuff and just like disappear into purple smoke. No, he comes and talks to him. He hits on the doctor. He, you know, is putting down Crawford already and kind of telling him, you know, he's a little he's a little simp and all this stuff. And I think Crawford even goes to touch him and his fingers just kind of sink into his flesh and Pretorius is laughing. He's like, ah, this is just, you know, that was just a body. I'm so much more than a, than, than a body here. And he ends up pulling all the skin off his face and these tim these tentacles and shit like come out of his face. It splits open all this really awesome shit. And then Bubba is like, fuck this. He unloads a fucking hand cannon on him, which explodes Pretorius's head shooting juice like a geyser. And it's just awesome. And somebody shuts off the machine. Can't remember who, but while this is happening, they shut it off. And everything disappears. So remember, as long as the machine is hitting a certain certain frequency... I didn't bring this up, but the whole point of the machine and the tuning forks is... When you set it to a certain frequency, it activates that pineal gland. You're able to see them on the other dimension, and they're able to see you. So that's that's what's happening. So as soon as you shut it down, as soon as that frequency is lost, it's gone. Everything disappears. So... That's exactly what happened. So the next morning, they're all talking about this over coffee, and the doc is, she is all in. I mean, there, she's kind of, she apologizes to Crawford because he's obviously like, hey, this is all your fault. You know, I told you just turn it on, let you see, turn it back off. But she kept telling him not to turn the machine off. And then even when the Pretorius dude showed up, he's like, hey, there's your proof. This dude's not dead. I didn't chop his head off. He's sitting here butt ass naked in front of us, you know, with tentacles and stuff. So, like, we're going to shut it down when she didn't. So she apologizes and you don't really know where it's going to go. And then she's like, that's why we have to do this again. And she's like, I think I need to do it alone. And you're like, is this bitch crazy? Did she not just see what just happened? Had Bubba not been there with his fucking python to, to blow this thing's head off and, you know, someone to shut the machine down. 
you know, who knows what would have happened. So this is where we start to understand, I guess, too, that the beyond has an effect on you even after you shut it down. Once that pineal gland is affected and you're, you know, exposed to this other dimension, kind of messes with your brain, it's enticing, it pulls you in. And we also learn a little bit more about the doc, uh, Dr. Catherine. She says something about how her, do- her dad died in a psychiatric hospital. And this is important, I guess, because it's kind of showing you why she's so adamant about this stuff. Because she goes in this long thing about her dad was in a psych hospital. They didn't try to help him. He was tortured and he died like alone and all this other stuff. And she just doesn't want to see that happen to anyone else. It's a personal experience for her. And that's why she's on this crusade to figure out what it is. And now she's starting to believe that maybe, just maybe, the people that are suffering from schizophrenia have some type of thing that, you know, part of that disease or whatever affects their pineal gland and they're actually somewhat in tune with this other dimension so that's why it seems like they're talking to their self they're seeing things that aren't there they're having hallucinations and all that because you know you, you see how the two are kind of tying together right so pretty cool pretty cool little tie-in right there I like that cool concept and then in the middle of why they're they're arguing about all this stuff and going back and forth i don't even think bubba's on screen when he says this but you just kind of hear out of the side he says well how about the hard-on i got is there a statistical correlation for that too and I will say when it was happening, you could tell that Crawford and, and the doc were sexually hot and bothered a little bit. So now we understand that for whatever reason, this machine, it affects your brain, gives you headaches, it entices you in, but also kind of, I guess, just a different feeling of pleasure. You just feel sexy around it. Or is that part of Pretorius being around? And that's kind of what it does through him in that dimension. Well, Crawford has said there's some kind of monster on the other side. Not Pretorius, but there is some kind of thing that he doesn't explain, which is a very Lovecraft thing to do to say, I cannot speak. I cannot explain. Words cannot describe. You know, there's nothing that compares. He loves to unexplain fucking everything to make it even that more scary. But sometimes it gets, it borderlines on annoying sometimes. Some stories I'm like, well, just tell me what the fucking thing looks like. You know, he's like, I can't. It looks like a plant, but not a plant, but an animal, but not an animal. Like it has teeth, but you know, in, in a million eyes, but no, I, I don't know. It's fucking, it's fucking weird. He's still my jam, but you know, sometimes get some of my fucking nerves. All right. So they're done with all this. They end up going to sleep and Catherine is uh, awoken in the middle of the night being lured to the machine, right? She's all being seduced or whatever. And she goes upstairs by herself, flicks that bad boy on and instantly all hell breaks loose. Like I said, there's no pause in this movie. It's just cool from beginning to end. You're never going to get bored watching is what I'm saying. So Crawford runs upstairs. His forehead is pulsing. You can kind of briefly see like this weird like beating in his forehead where his skin's kind of pulsating. And he sees Catherine with her tits out. The doc's got her tits out. She's going to second base with this huge, mutated, Pretorius-looking creature. And every time we see Pretorius, he's going to take on a different form. So he's not human anymore. Remember, Bubba already blew his head off. And so he comes back now, and he's kind of a... He's more creature than human. And like I said, he's he's over there uh, getting it on with Crawford. Or, <laughs> not Crawford, but... Not yet. <laughs> but he, he's over there with the doc. And like I said, we have our typical 80s... Uh, topless scene, of course. And I want to say maybe Crawford tries to do something at this point to turn it off, and he can't. Like, it's shocking him. It's, you know, electrocuting him, and he can't get it out. So he runs into Bubba. Bubba thinks he's trying to escape. He doesn't know what's going on. They, they Bubba finally gets on board with what's happening. They run downstairs to try and 
kill the power. There's a power box or whatever down there. So they go down there, and holy shit, there's this big sandworm, alien, hell, you know, snake thing that's down there that's keeping them from getting to the power box. Now, what's funny is, they're, as they're trying to get around it, that big worm thing ends up eating Crawford. Well, it's kind of like sucking on the top half of his body. Like, it comes over him, drapes down, I would say, past his shoulders or whatever, and it's starting to eat him. And Bubba, like a boss, jumps on this big-ass worm's back and just starts stabbing it. And he ends up pulling some wires. All of the, you know, the energy to the house is gone. So once Bubba pulls all those wires out, so all these things just disappear. They're just gone. So imagine if you're half-eaten by this thing, and then all of a sudden you pull the power, it no longer exists. So it's not eating him. So Crawford just falls to the ground, and you can tell he hasn't been digested or anything. But he looks like that fucking dude from Powder. You remember that movie? Is that a horror movie? Can we review Powder on here? Maybe we will. <laughs> Maybe we won't. Because the only thing I remember about them is him touching a deer and then grabbing the hunter. And the hunter's like, oh, oh, and he fucking, he's like, he can feel the deer suffering or whatever. That's the only thing I remember from that film. Uh, other than that, dude looks like Moby or whatever. So man, that's a better example. Crawford is laying on the ground. He looks like Moby and he's got a bald, you know, he's bald and he looks very sick or whatever. So, well, that's mean. Moby doesn't look bald and sick, but he's bald and skit. Anyway, he looks like the fucking dude from Powder. So they go upstairs everyone's upstairs they're trying to figure out what to do again Crawford he's jacked up Catherine she's been messed up because she was over there getting you know uh groped up by this weird tentacle version of that dude she apologizes again for a couple of seconds and then instantly is back to like I've got to do this I've got to do this on my own and blah blah blah. and of course Bubba is just like you know what I'm still the cop here so fuck that everyone get your shit we're leaving he goes out to get the van and they're chilling in the BDS room for whatever reason. I don't, I don't know why there wasn't another room they could chill in, but that's the one where they've laid Crawford down to relax. He's in shock or something like that. So Catherine, just, she just starts you know, run, walking around, touching some of these things. She finds some kind of weird like leather, uh, what do you call it? Mas- not a masochist or a sadist, a uh, dominatrix-type uni- uniform. <laughs> uniform? Is it a uniform? It's an outfit, costume? I don't know what you call it. She's wearing the dominatrix stuff. It's all black and leather and ha-cha-cha-cha. So, so she puts this on. She sashays her way over to Crawford, who is passed out on this couch. And what does she do? Well, she straddles him. She kind of starts dry-humping him. And then, in a wheat like, starts smelling his dick. She starts smelling his dick. <laughs> It's a very strange part in the movie, but it happens. You know, here she is uh, date raping Crawford after he's just been through this traumatic event, and she decides a good, good time to get her freak on. Obviously, she's under the influence of this other dimension and of the machine and all that. So yeah, it's you know. So while this is happening, Bubba comes in because remember he went to go get the van. He's like we're leaving, whatever. He comes in when she's in there, you know, dry humping him. And he's just like, what the fuck are you doing? And she gets up, not really, not embarrassed at all, gets up and goes over to him and starts trying to kind of seduce him a little bit. And he's almost kind of falling for it because, you know, I, I guess at the end of the day, he's still uh, the, a dude. You know, he's just kind of like, bitch, what are you doing? You know, I just saw you smell his dick. What are you doing to me? So while this is going on, though, the Resonator, I haven't said this whole episode, but the name of the machine is the Resonator. And the Resonator ends up starting back up on its own so Pretorius or the monster that ate Pretorius or whatever is finally figuring out how to turn on this thing so that it can 
smash the two dimensions together again and he can come out here and you know mess with the humans that are there and they they all go upstairs to try to turn it back off again they can't touch it because of whatever reason oh this time it's like sand flies or something i don't know what they are it's just this huge cloud of flies start attacking them bubba tries to save them and poor bubba gets eaten alive by these sand flies awesome scene here where he is you know 75 percent of his body, flesh, and everything has been eaten off by these weird flies. And they're talking to him. So, you know, his, his leg has only got some meat on it, but you can see it in, like, his hands and his rib cage and stuff. But it still has his head there. Cool special effects. Cool makeup. Cool monster shit. The flies were kind of weak sauce. I wish they could have done something else. But anyway, the end result was really cool. So Pretorius makes another appearance. He's in yet another weird monster form. It's really big and got tentacles and weird spider legs and all kinds of stuff there's no rhyme or reason to it like your typical lovecraft creature and he starts affecting crawford the headaches and all that stuff and that pulsing in his forehead and all of a sudden this weird little et looking finger tentacle thing just shoots out of crawford's face so Catherine sees this and she for what i guess she's broke the trance of the the resonator and she decides she has to shut this thing down not when all the other shit was going on, of course, but now that all this is happening, well, now it's time i got to figure something out. So she finds, I don't know, a fire extinguisher or something, ends up spraying the machine because they can't touch it because it electrocutes them. So she sprays it to try to short it out, I guess. And it works. And then we cut, and the scene's over, and the next time it comes up, we are back at the psych ward. Not only are we back at the psych ward, but now they have the doctor. They have Catherine in the psych ward. Well, the original head nurse that she had talked ton of shit to at the very beginning and kind of like stepped all over her plans comes in and just wants to let this, you know, Catherine have it. She's like, yeah, I told you this was a dumb idea. I told you stupid. Now we have someone that's dead. And, you know, the other guys in this weird catatonic state, we don't know what's going on. And they're like, now she's saying the same crazy stuff that Crawford guy. And so she's like, let's give her electroshock therapy. Like she's being a real cunt, you know. Which is another weird thing to think about, too, in this movie. Uh, thinking way too much about a B-horror movie here, but it's a uh, electroshock therapy and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's crazy to think, and I, I just recently got done recording an episode of Dead Languages, and I'll, I'll put links to it when it comes up. But we had talked about this before, where some practice medical practices and things like this that occur now, 50 years from now or 100 years from now, people will be like, holy shit, I can't believe they did that. So think about when you hear about them using leeches, you know, lobotomizing people, electrocuting people, whatever it might be, things that we do now that a hundred years from now, they're going to be like, I cannot believe they did that. And one of the things that we brought up was having a prostate exam and that the only way to find cancer in your butt is for the doctor to put his finger in there. Dude, what the fuck? That's the only, a hundred years from now, I know someone's going to be like, that's fucking weird. I can't believe that was the only way they did that. Why didn't they just, you know, take a blood sample or something? I don't know. E anyway, I'm sure there's more to it than that, but that's what this made me think of when they start putting this electroshock therapy stuff on the side of her head and start trying to cook her brain that anyone ever thought that was a good idea. These are these were doctors that thought this was a good idea. Supposed to be the smartest, brightest people that can save humanity, whatever. But yet they were, you know, essentially frying people's brains to try to make them better. What the fuck? Makes for great horror, though. All right, so while she's in there getting prepped for all that, we see Crawford finally comes to... And he's got this weird little worm thing sticking out of his head. Well, it's not. It's inside his brain. But he ends up running into the head nurse. And it comes out of the brain. Or it comes out of his forehead. 
and he decides it's time to eat some brains. So now we see that this dimension thing is kind of a part of him now, and when it activates, he can't really control himself. He ends up eating the brains of a couple of people, and then you can tell afterwards, once he snaps out of it, he's like, oh my gosh, what did I do? I'm eating people's brains. There's a fucking finger sticking out of my head. What is this? And one way or another, they both escape. They both wind up outside, and they both are drawn back to the resonator. So Crawford's drawn back to it because he's got weird interdimensional tapeworm sticking out of his face, and uh, Dr. Catherine is trying to go back to it because she has to destroy it. So she steals a van or, or a meat wagon or something like that, goes out there, <laughs> gets to the house, and she's like digging in her purse and pulls out this absolute ridiculous like Wally Coyote set of dynamite with a big clock on it and sets it on the resonator where in the fuck did she get dynamite and, and where the fuck did she get that much dynamite she's had it it sure as hell wasn't in the ambulance i don't know anyway pretty funny she goes out it's a ridiculous prop she puts it on the thing and she's gonna blow this thing up and as she's about to do that crawford comes up He's in full forehead tentacle mode. He comes up. He tries to stop her. He starts fighting with her. He's going to suck her brain out. And he's telling her, like, it doesn't hurt. It'll feel great. You know, you'll you'll be one of us or whatever. And as he gets close enough to almost bite her eyeball, she, re- she reaches up and bites that little tentacle thing right off his forehead. It's pretty gnarly scene. It's pretty cool. She bites it off of his face, spits it, and then there's a fight between the Pretorius monster and everyone and it's just like a, a battle royale up there. And Pretorius actually ends up eating Crawford whole at this point. I don't remember how it happens, but I just remember his whole body ends up inside the Pretorius monster. And then there's this weird like infighting where Crawford like kind of comes out of his body and then kind of makes his body fight itself. And it's really weird. And that that I will say, out of all the hokey stuff that happens, that was probably the only scene that I think lingered on a little longer than it needed to. And long story short, at the end of that, Catherine escapes. She leaps out of a window because, remember, there's still a dynamite with a, a timer on it and everything that's that's about to explode. She jumps out of a window. And I want to say this bitch is like three stories. I mean, it is tall. It's like the attic of this big, big house. But she leaps out the window. Whole place explodes in this gigantic ball of fire. She hits the ground, and it shows her, and she's nastily broken both legs. I mean, snaps sideways. It shows the bone sticking out. There's big chunks of meat. It's it's pretty, pretty awesome. And she's just sitting there on the ground, and, of course, it pans up, and all these neighbors have come out, and they're all just standing there looking at her and watching the house burn. And she's, she's like, crying, and the nosy lady's back with her dog with the shit in its eyes and the, and the shower cap. That lady's back. And and then as she's looking to them, I guess, kind of with the look of like, help me or whatever, and she's crying hysterically, the crying turns into this manic cry, laughter combo, and then more into the just like, you know, maniac laughter kind of stuff. So you just never know, you just don't even know, like, and, and that's the end, like that's how it ends. So is she still under the influence of the other dimension? She has to be because her legs are turned up like question marks and she's just laughing like a psycho about it. But yeah. That's the end of our film. I mean, it plays out like more like a Tales from the Crypt, Are You Afraid of the Dark type episode. It's got that kind of camp and feel to it, but it's, you know, it's a full movie or whatever. But yeah, I thought it was fucking awesome. It's the exact kind of movie I love when I think of horror and sci-fi, campy, great, awesome, old school musical scores, 
you know, these, these great monster practical effects, not a, not a whole lot of CGI, you know, kind of a sus script and just weird scenes with ridiculous acting and ridiculous scenarios in them. It was just, it was great. I, I don't know, you know, with it being based on an H.P. Lovecraft story, I love that it has that kind of camp to it and not the, not so serious as you would believe an, a Lovecraft story would play out on the screen. So yeah, thought it was awesome. If you like Reanimator and all that kind of stuff, it's it's the exact tone and feel and everything, so you'll love this movie too. But yeah, that is our episode for today. You can reach me at justjameshorrorpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram, Twitter, X, or whatever you want to call it. I'm never really on there or Facebook or any other places because they're just not... I don't know. They just don't interact as well as I've had with Instagram. So if you want to talk to me, you can send messages to any of those, but the quickest one will be on Instagram, or through the email. Send me a movie suggestion. You want to be a guest on the show or something like that, shoot me an email, see if we can get it set up. It's awesome. I love doing this kind of stuff. I love getting to watch these movies that I haven't seen in a long time, and I have a great time doing it. So, this has been the Just James Horror Review. I'm your host, Just James. Take care.